The good news of the gospel is that God wants to bless us. He longs to bless us. He wants to bless you. Isn't that awesome? In fact, God longs to bless you, the real you, not the you that you long to be. God loves you and wants to bless the real you, not the Instagram you. The real you. The you that is really struggling with a messy house and bickering kids. Anybody else out there like that? The you that has yelled one too many times at your bickering kids and because of your messy house. The you that struggles. The you that keeps on sinning that same old sin. The you that is ready for social distancing to end. The you that is desperate and worn out and weary and just plum tuckered out. God longs to bless that you. And the good news of the gospel is that you don't have to have it all together in order to receive God's blessing. Isn't that great? You don't have to be perfect before God blesses you. You don't have to have some distance between your last pet sin before God will bless you. That is good news. And that means that you can start over today. You can forget what lies behind and receive God's blessing today, right now. Because, and get this, if it depended on us, if it were up to us to get our act together before God would bless us, then guess what? We'd never experience his blessings. It's all due to his grace. We can't earn his blessings. Please understand that. You can't earn or work hard for God's blessings. It all comes to you because of his grace, because of his kindness, because Jesus is just plain good to people like us. He really is. And that's exactly what we'll see today. So turn in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 6. Numbers is in the Old Testament. It's the fourth book from the beginning. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. We're uh, taking a small break today before we begin our series in 2 Corinthians. I'd planned on being there already, but next week is Easter. We'll go somewhere else, and then in two weeks, Lord willing, we'll start our series in 2 Corinthians. But today, we're going to be looking at a pretty famous passage in the Old Testament. I mean, if you know any passage in the book of Numbers, it's probably this one. And God has included this passage in the Bible because God wants us to see something about himself. God wants to tell us what he is like. The God who created the entire universe has made a promise to us. 
he has promised us all of himself in all of his glory. And it couldn't be any clearer than what we see in Numbers chapter 6 today. But I want to point something out before we read God's word. If you've been at Grace for very long, then you know this already. God's covenant name in the Hebrew language, which is what most of the Old Testament is written in, some in Aramaic, but in Hebrew, God's covenant name is Yahweh. So when you see the word Lord, and it's in all capital letters in the Old Testament, that is the English translators tipping you off that in the original Hebrew language, this is God's covenant name, Yahweh. So today, I'm going to read our verses in number 6 with the name Yahweh as it appears in the Hebrew Bible. So Numbers chapter 6, beginning at verse 22, and hear the word of Yahweh. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, May Yahweh bless you and keep you. May Yahweh make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So you can't miss it here. Blessing comes from the Lord. Three times it gets mentioned here. Blessing comes from Yahweh, which is God's personal covenant name in the Hebrew language. In fact, in verse 27, it's emphatic that blessing comes from Yahweh, from the Lord, because in verse 27 in the Hebrew, it says, I, I will bless them. So there's this emphasis there. God wants us to know that He wants to bless us And when he does, it comes straight from him and not from some intermediary. It's like they seem to understand this truth when they wrote the words to the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. So Yahweh is telling Moses here in number 6 that blessing comes straight from him. There's personal involvement. Please understand that in the ancient Near East, other gods were not like this at all. They were distant. They were aloof. Um, All the other gods were fickle. You didn't know where you stood with them. The gods of the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Egyptians, all of those other gods in the ancient Near East, you had no idea where you stood with them at any given moment. You didn't know if they were mad at you. You didn't know if you were pleasing them. You didn't even know what did please them. It was all a guessing game with all of the other gods in the ancient Near East. And here, Yahweh, the Lord, tells Moses straight up, That he is the one who rolls up his sleeves and personally blesses his people. He doesn't send some intern to do it. God does it because God wants to do it. 
it pleases our Heavenly Father to bless His kids. Isn't that great? It pleases God to bless His children. But what is blessing? What does it mean that God blesses His people? Well, we find the answer to that in the priestly blessing that was to be spoken over God's people after they left the tabernacle or the temple. The priest would pronounce this blessing in number six over the people. And be amazed by this. First, we should be amazed just by the fact that God speaks to Moses. That God is speaking to a human being. And God tells Moses that he wants the priest, to pass on this good news. He wants to pass on the good news to Moses and have him pass it on to Aaron and his sons, the priest, who would then pass on this good news to everybody else in Israel. And what does Moses, what does the Lord tell Moses and company to speak to the nation? It's blessing. So from the very beginning, God tells Moses that his desire is to bless his people. And so what is blessing? The priestly benediction or blessing here tells us that blessing is simply this. It's a face-to-face relationship with God where we experience his protection and favor. It's a face-to-face relationship with God where we experience his protection and favor. Blessing is enjoying a close relationship with God, face-to-face, with no shame, no condemnation, no reason to cower in fear, afraid that he's going to strike us down with lightning bolts because of our sin, where he gives us a bunch of gifts that we don't deserve, and that's blessing. And so let's look at each one of the phrases here in number six in this priestly blessing. First we see it, it reads, may Yahweh bless you and keep you. And so what does it mean to be blessed by the Lord? What do these priests mean when they pray this blessing over the people? Here's what it means. The Hebrew word barakah for blessing is an announcement of some kind of enrichment. It could be physical spiritual material that comes as a gift from God. Blessing is this announcement of something over your life that enriches your life, and it comes from God as a gift. And that means you can't earn it, and you certainly don't deserve it. And so these priests are praying that Yahweh would do what he does best, Do what he does as their God. They are praying that he would bless these people who are in covenant with him. In short, and this really gets to the heart of what it means to be blessed by God. The priests are praying that the Lord would take note of their needs and meet them. That's shorthand for, may the Lord bless you. May Jesus take note of all of your needs and then may he meet them. That's what it means to say, may Yahweh bless you. That's what it means to say, the Lord bless you. If you say that to someone, the Lord bless you. Here's what you're saying. You're saying, may Jesus get out a pen and paper and look over your life 
and jot down all of your needs, and then may he meet them. Like a grocery list, like maybe you do at your house. What do we need from the store? Okay, you make a list and you go and you get it. That's what it means to have Jesus bless you. That's what the Hebrew word barakah is getting at. And that's exactly what God does for us. He takes note of our needs and then he meets them. And so you can pray this prayer for yourself. Jesus, take note of all of my needs, whether they be physical, spiritual, or material, and meet them by your grace. And that's a good prayer to pray not just for yourself, but for anyone in your life. If you don't know what's going on in someone's life, but you want to pray for them, you can pray this. Jesus, take note of their needs and meet them. You know what they need, Lord. Please bless them and meet their needs physically, spiritually, and materially. That's a simple prayer that you can pray for others. Bless them, Lord. Observe. Take note of their needs, whatever they are, and please meet them. So to be blessed by God is to enjoy the enrichment that he provides, whether it's physical, material, or spiritual. But notice too here that the benediction pronounced by the priest also includes protection. May Yahweh bless you and keep you. The Hebrew word for keep has the idea of protection. Uh, either physically or spiritually. And we see Jesus pray for this in the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this is also a prayer that God would protect us. But we also see the closeness and fellowship that comes from being rightly related to God in the next two phrases of the blessing. It says, May Yahweh make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so true blessing is knowing God face to face. The imagery here of God's face shining is like a child seeing their parent again after they have been on a business trip. So mom or dad have been on a business trip, they come home, and their face, mom and dad's face, lights up to see their precious kids again. This is what God does when he sees us. His face lights up. His face shines. Imagine that. When you go to pray to God, God's face lights up. Ian Duguid says this, This is the heart of blessing, to have the Lord delight in us so much that it is as if his face shines whenever he sees us. Blessing is not just that our faces shine when we look at the beauties of God but that he delights to turn his face toward us and look at us. Blessing is our Heavenly Father's face beaming as he looks upon us. Can you imagine God delighting in you this way? God wants you to feel his blessing today. He wants you to feel his pleasure to feel that his face shines when he looks upon you. He wants you to feel his pleasure. 
That's part of what it means in verse 27 that God wants these priests to put his name on his people. He wants them to know what he is like at his core. He wants them to know that they now belong to him because they are in covenant with him. And he wants them to know what he is like. That he is gracious. That his face lights up when he sees them. And God wants his people to feel it too. This is what God wanted the priests to do every single day when they came to the tabernacle. To remind the people that God delighted in them. That was their job. That was the job of the priest. One of their jobs was to remind the people of God that God delighted in them. To preach the gospel to them, in other words. Every day, in every sermon, in every blog post, in every tweet. God was telling Moses and company this. Tell them every day that I am good and that I am kind and that I am gracious and I will freely bless them and they don't have to do anything at all to deserve it. And that's what's so amazing. It's that we do not deserve his blessing and yet he gives it freely. We don't deserve his blessing, and yet Jesus just keeps pouring his blessings out all over our lives. And that's why the prayer includes that God be gracious to them. This is the Hebrew word hanan that we looked at two weeks ago in Psalm 123. It's the Old Testament word for grace. It's the Hebrew word for grace. Grace, it's God's unmerited favor for people who don't deserve it. And so what we're actually seeing here in number six is the very heart of God. He takes the initiative to pass his blessing on to sinners who don't deserve it. Wow. It was all God's idea. Why don't more preachers and sermons highlight this wonderful truth? God wants his people to not only hear about, but to feel his favor. He wants his people to receive constant reminders of his love. God wants his blessing to pass on to his people. Number six is telling us that God is not stingy. He's not tight-fisted. He's not a miser. He desires to speak his blessing over his people. That means that God longs to bless you. The real you. Not the you that you long to be. Not the you that you want to be someday. God wants to bless the real you right now and what great news that is he wants to bless the real me not the me that I want to be not the me that I'm pretending to be we tend to think that if we can just get our act together finally if I can just finally get my act together then God will bless me 
We think that God will bless some future, put together us. No, the real Jesus wants the real you and wants to bless the real you. So the priest would pronounce this blessing in number six over the Israelites. And we all know that the nation of Israel, they were real sinners, weren't they? Big time. Who are the priests pronouncing this blessing over after they leave the tabernacle, after they leave the temple? Israel, that ragtag group of people who really couldn't get their act together. God longed to bless them. And God did bless them. That means that Jesus wants the real you. The I'm just like the Israelites you. Jesus doesn't want the Instagram you. Jesus doesn't care if you have 42,000 followers on Twitter and you're verified and you have a blue check mark next to your name. He wants the real you. Not the picture-perfect shot of you and your coffee and your avocado toast with a silver tone filter. Jesus can see through all of that. There is no filter that you and I can slap on our hearts that will impress Jesus. Jesus likes the hashtag no filter you. He likes the real you, the real me with no filter. Jesus wants the quarantined you. Now think about that. How have you been the last few weeks? Jesus wants even the quarantine you. He longs to bless quarantined you. And if the past few weeks at your house have been like the past few weeks at my house, where everybody's just a tad edgy, then this is good news, friends. Jesus wants to bless quarantined people who are a tad edgy and snapping at everyone else. None of you have done that, have you? And your family members are elbowing you right now and saying, liar, or he's talking about you. Jesus wants to bless quarantined. My family is driving me crazy. When is this thing going to finally be over? Where is all the toilet paper? Why did they have to cancel school in California, you? The real Jesus wants your real sinful heart. The one that is really struggling with all of this right now. And he longs to bless that you. He longs to bless your sinful little heart that is tired of being cooped up inside. The real Jesus wants you to come messy just like these Israelites and to receive his blessings. To come with messed up hair to come with morning breath and looking like you're paying the high cost of low living. Jesus knows the real you and he still loves you. He knows the real you. He knows all your sin, all your junk, all the things that nobody else knows but you, he knows. And he still loves you. And that's amazing Because Jesus knows your heart better than even you do. He sees everything in our hearts. And he still loves us. And he still blesses us. And he's still gracious to us. Incredible. And he wants us to enjoy him. Nancy Guthrie says this. 
experiencing God's blessing is not merely getting good things from God. The essence of blessing is getting more of God. It is looking up to see affection and approval radiating from his face. To be blessed is to be confident that God has not and will never ignore or abandon us. Since more of God himself is the substance of blessing, whenever we ask him to bless us, we're essentially inviting him to pervade all the ordinary aspects of our lives. When we ask him to bless our plans, we're inviting him into them, inviting him to even disrupt or change them, believing that his plans are always better than ours. In asking for his blessing, we're confessing that the outcome of our lives will not be the sum of our grand efforts or accomplishments. Instead, anything and everything good that emerges from our lives will be a result of his sovereign presence in it. When we ask God to bless us, we're inviting all of God, all that he is, into all of our lives. Even our plans. All of God for all of us. And in the gospel, God gives us all of himself for all of our need. All of God for all of your sin. All of God for all of your mess. All of God for all of your failure. All of God for all of your plans. All of God for all of the ordinary aspects of your life. Even all of God for all of your quarantine. All of God for all of you. In the gospel, God blesses us with the gift of his son. And that's the heart of blessing. It's enjoying God. But maybe that's not how you see God. Maybe you don't even have a category in your brain of, I can enjoy God? I've never heard of that. Maybe you picture God as this uptight, cranky dad who's always angry because his kids are so messy and they bicker all the time. Listen, if you grew up thinking that God was this ogre, this uh, meanie, uh, this frowning, arms crossed, cranky father, don't bother me, I'm sorry. Whoever told you that totally misrepresented God. In fact, that's how the great reformer Martin Luther grew up. All that he ever heard was that God was angry. That's all anybody ever heard. God is angry. God is angry. God is angry. Every sermon, every book, every blog post, every tweet, every status update that Martin Luther always read was this. God is angry. He's fuming. His blood is boiling because we keep sinning. God is sick and tired of us that we can't seem to get our act together. And that's all that Martin Luther ever heard. In fact, there was this stone carving that Martin Luther would pass as he entered the church. He would run past it and close his eyes. He was terrorized by this. Terrified him to look at this. It was a stone relief picturing Jesus sitting on a rainbow with a sword coming out of the left side of his mouth and a flower coming out of the right side. 
and the veins on Jesus' forehead were so pronounced. You see his veins just bulging off of his forehead. His blood is boiling. He's angry at everyone. So you better watch your step, buddy boy. And this is what Martin Luther thought Jesus was like. He only saw him as a judge, the righteous judge who was coming to judge sinners and punish them. Here's what Oswald Bayer says about Luther's experience. On a stone relief above the entrance to the cemetery surrounding the church, Luther saw Christ seated on the rainbow as judge of the world, so angry the veins stand out, menacing and swollen on his forehead. A lily emerging from the right side of his mouth and a sword from the left, symbolizing Christ judging both the spiritual and the worldly realms, thus judging everywhere. Nobody and nothing escapes his judgment. Can you imagine having this view of God? Maybe you have that view right now. Maybe this is how you view God. Maybe you're like Martin Luther. Before his enlightening, if you told Martin Luther, hey, God wants to bless his people. He wants to speak to them. He wants them to enjoy him, Martin. Luther would look at you and say, no way. There's no way. He's not like that. He's angry. And all that he wants to do is punish sinners. That's his to-do list every morning. One thing on it, punish sinners. So let's quit talking about him. Because he's listening to us right now. Shh. He's going to get us. Now, of course, we know that Jesus is coming to judge the world one day. The Bible makes that very clear. We know that. Jesus is coming to judge the world one day. The Bible makes that very clear. For those who do not repent and turn from their sins and turn to and trust in Christ, there's no hope for eternity for them. But God has opened the door to heaven now. And all are welcome. He's calling sinners to repentance like he's ringing a dinner bell. Come on in. Everybody's welcome. He's calling sinners to repentance now. And what draws sinners to repentance? As Paul says in Romans 2.4, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Yo, if Martin Luther would have just gotten out of Romans chapter 1 and got into the first four verses of Romans chapter 2... And maybe the lights would have went off a lot sooner for him. It's his kindness to us in Christ that draws us back home. Maybe you're watching today and you've been running from God. And you think he's angry and you think you can't come back home. You can come home. The door is wide open. Jesus is sitting on the porch in a rocking chair, probably drinking some sweet tea. And he's saying, come on home, y'all. You, you can come home today. I don't care how far away you have run from him. He welcomes you today. So just come on home and be restored. And let the Father love you. Martin Luther did not hear this message. The church back then thought that if you paint a picture of God as angry and fuming, then sinners would repent. 
But that's not how it works. And we see that here with the priestly benediction in number six. Ministry is about people hearing over and over again that they can't earn God's love, that they are forgiven of their sins, and that God's not mad at them anymore, and that Jesus paid it all. That's what God desires for churches and ministries. And we see that so clearly here in number six. Put my name on them. Tell them, remind them what I'm like. Every single time they come here, remind them, tell them every day that they can't earn their way, that it's all of grace. It's free, no strings attached. But there are so many pastors and churches today that are afraid to let Numbers chapter 6 define their ministries. You know what? We want number six to define our church. We want to take our first name seriously. Can you imagine that? A place of grace, unmerited favor. We want number six to define this church. We want you to leave here every week feeling so loved by God, so forgiven by God, so accepted by God that you want to follow and obey him. We want you to leave here every week saying, what a savior, what a savior. Not leave here saying, what a sermon. Not that you can't ever express gratitude to your pastors. But I want you to leave here every week saying, what a savior, because it's not about me. We want you to leave and feel like you just sat down in green pastures next to to still waters. We want you to start your week feeling so loved and so forgiven and so full of hope and then you take the light of the gospel that you are enjoying and that has shined on you and then you share it with others, with your family and your neighbors and your coworkers and fellow students. Listen, no one should ever leave church feeling beat up by the preacher. It's sad that I have to say that. No one should ever leave church feeling beat up by the preacher. No one should leave church feeling heavier, as if more burdens were placed on them, as if someone dressed them up in winter clothes and kicked them into a warm swimming pool and then said, get out and start walking. Church is not supposed to be like that. You should... Never leave feeling like more burdens were placed on you. You should leave church. You should leave a live stream feeling light, feeling free. You should feel like dancing and making a fool of yourself in your living room right now. You can do that. Maybe the gospel's getting into your heart right now. Just take a moment and start dancing. No one's watching. You should leave church every week thinking I can't wait for next week and that's the kind of church we're shooting for here at Grace we want to be a refuge for Christians who have been beat up by other preachers who have been wounded by other churches and who are just plumb tuckered out by all the demands of legalism do this don't do that we want to be a safe place for weary exhausted disciples who just want some good news on Sunday morning. And by God's grace, 
I think we are that kind of church. And we don't want to mess up what we have going here, so we need to stay low before the Lord and humble ourselves and stay desperate because Santa Maria needs this church. The Central Coast needs a place like Grace so that weary, worn-out sinners have a place to come and to hear over and over again, week after week, sermon after sermon, that the pressure is off And that the real Jesus really is as good as the Bible says he is. But there are so many pastors and churches today that don't let number six dominate their ministries. They think that the way to get people to repent is to paint a picture of God as fuming. Like he's angry with his kids with veins popping off of his forehead. Like what Martin Luther experienced. But it's God's kindness that draws sinners home. It's all his grace. It's number six. May God be gracious to you. Listen, Christian, for those of us who are believers, who are united to Christ by faith, if you view God as angry and cranky toward you, then you won't enjoy him. If that's how you view God, then you won't enjoy him. If you think God is a hoarder and he only shares his love and only shares his blessings with goody two-shoes and with people who finally got their act together, then you have a misconception about God. And that's kind of a big deal. To not understand God, who he is at his core, that's a big deal. Jesus is not a hoarder. He loves to shower sinners with love and mercy and grace. And so the knee-jerk reaction of Jesus is to bless us. Let me say that again because some of you may not believe me. The knee-jerk reaction of Jesus is to bless. He's not a curmudgeon. He's gracious. He gives gifts, lots and lots and lots of gifts to people who don't deserve it and who have not earned it. And so number six is telling you today that God longs to bless you. The real you, not the you that you long to be. And so let me ask you this morning, are you confident today that God is favorable towards you? Do you believe that he is gracious and wants to bless you? Is that how you view God? Do you see him as a God who wants to bless you even though you sin all the time? Now, of course, we're not talking about him blessing us when we're hardened to the Lord or when we think, well, I can just live any way that I want to now. I can just disregard his word and he'll bless me. No, we know God doesn't bless a life like that. We know that God is not going to bless a life like that. He's not going to bless a life of rebellion and pride and hard-heartedness. He just won't. Listen, Jesus does not endorse our sin. Jesus does not endorse any sin, regardless of what culture says. We know that. So I'm not talking about God blessing rebellion and blessing hard-heartedness because he blesses you because you sin every day. He doesn't bless rebellion and hard-heartedness. But if your heart's desire is to honor him and to live for his glory, even though you mess up and sin all the time, 
He still longs to bless you, and he does. So is that how you view him? As a father who is, who is delighted in his core, in his heart, to bless his messy kids? Do you see him as a father whose face lights up when he sees you? Or do you view him as a cranky God? I think so many Christians have this view of God. They think they have to do things for him, and then he will love them, and then he will give them grace, and then he will bless them. They think that all God wants is for people to do things for him. Just check off the list. You've got to do more for me. You've got to earn it. You've got to try harder next time. Is that your view of God today? Do you think he is primarily in, interested in what you do or don't do? Listen, if you think that you have to be sinless or a little less sinful for God to bless you, then guess what? God will never bless you. If you think that you have to be sinless or a little less sinful in order for God to bless you, then God will never bless you because under that kind of thinking, God will never bless you because number one, you will never be sinless. Only Jesus was sinless. And number two, you will never be a little less sinful. You sin every day and God blesses you every day. That's reality. This does not mean that we're being transformed more and more to his image. That's true. But we sin every single day and God blesses us every single day. Is he transforming us? Is he making us more like his son? Absolutely. But we sin every day and every day God blesses us. So if you think that your relationship with God is contingent upon your behavior, then you don't understand grace. And if you view God first and foremost as a lawgiver, then that's how you will relate to him. You will always be trying to keep the rules to please him in order to earn his favor. You'll always be trying hard to make sure you stay in line instead of enjoying him, which is what he wants you to do. God wants you to enjoy him. And when you're enjoying him, then sin does not look so good. And you don't want to do it because you're mesmerized by Jesus, because he's your treasure. Enjoying God, that's what blessing is all about. And so understand this, Grace. God is most interested in having a loving relationship with you and not giving you a list of things to do. That's what number six is getting at. God is most interested in having a relationship with you and not giving you a list of things to do. He wants to bless you. His knee-jerk reaction is to bless you, even in the middle of your quarantine life, which is not going so well. Do you believe that he's gracious and wants to bless you? Well, the good news of the gospel is that he does. As Paul says in Ephesians 1, God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so God is offering you a treasure this morning 
More of himself, more of himself to enjoy, more of his spirit entering into your life and renewing you and protecting you and meeting your needs. Now, I don't know what your primary need is today. It could be physical, material, spiritual, but I do know this based on number six. God is saying to you today in the middle of your mess, I am available. If you want me more than you want anything else, I am here for you in all of my fullness. Just receive. Open your tight-fisted hands and just receive. It's a gift. I mean, everybody likes gifts, right? It's a gift. Just receive it. You don't have to do anything. But open the empty hands of faith and say, okay. God wants you to experience his peace. The Hebrew word here in this prayer for peace is the word shalom. It just doesn't mean peace as opposed to conflict, as if peace brings the end of conflict. It's not just that. Shalom has the idea of wholeness, of being well. And in the context, and for us, it's about experiencing prosperity and children and security and land and happiness and health and a host of other good things that come from God. That's shalom. And God wants that for you. All of the yous here in the Hebrew actually are singular. So that means that God wants to bless you personally today. He wants to protect you. He wants to shine his face on you, to give peace to you, the real you. The old commentator Matthew Henry comments on this passage and he says that we may take the blessing to ourselves as if our names were inserted. So you can personalize number six today. You can put your name in there and believe that God wants all of this for you. Do you believe it? It's true. God longs to bless you, the real you, and not the you that you long to be, not the Instagram you. And that's what this number six benediction is teaching us. And that's why we have a benediction at the end of our services because we want to put the name of God on you as you leave. We want to speak and impart gospel words to you as you leave here. After every service, we want you to leave with a reminder of all that God is for you. We want to end the Lord's day and begin the week with good news. So let me remind you again that the heart of number six, the heart of this benediction, is actually the heart of God. Every day the Father's face lights up to see us because he has clothed us in the life, death, and resurrection of his Son. Every day he looks on us, turns his face towards us, and he says to each one of us every single day, this too is my Son whom I love. This too is my daughter with whom I am well pleased. Receive my peace, beloved of the Lord, upon whom my favor rests. Believe that today. Receive that today. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we just humble ourselves. We uh, let loose the clenched fists that we have And we just receive from you. We receive your blessing. We believe that you are as good as your word says you are. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to change our minds and change our hearts and get us away from the thinking that Martin Luther had. 
And Lord, move us to a more biblical view, Lord, that your face lights up when you see your children and it's all because of your son, because of his sacrifice, because of his perfect life. And so God, we ask you to help us believe. May we come today on our knees, getting low before you, opening the empty hands of faith and just say, we receive your gifts. We receive your blessing. And then may you get great glory as you bless people like us. In your name we pray, amen.